Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. I could not have planned this episode more beautifully. God planned this because if you listened to last week's episode on my honest response to the Shiny Happy People docuseries, there were a lot of responses from you all, lots of emails and messages and people just saying how you experienced something similar. Maybe it wasn't from IBLP or ATI, but you were in a church where there was legalism and you experienced a lot of hurt or disappointment and you're just struggling with what do we do with that? How do we move from that? And some of you are saying, you know, you just don't even know if you believe in God, you kind of just want to give up on the church. And my guest today, y'all, I did not plan this. Months ago, I said yes to this interview with Natalie Runyon, who has a new book coming out July 4th, I think. Is that when it comes to Yes. Called Raise to Stay, Persevering in Ministry When You Have a Million Reasons to Walk Away. God planned this episode because the perfect follow-up to last week is for us to talk about church hurt, church disappointment, and what do we do with that? And Natalie has a story and just some really powerful insight that I think is going to encourage you so much, no matter where you are. So Natalie, thank you for joining me today. Oh, Crystal, thanks for having me. I would love for you to start with just introducing yourself to my audience, telling them a little bit about you. Well, I am Natalie, and I've been married to my husband, Tony, for 16 years. We have two daughters. They are 11 and 14, and I was a pastor's kid growing up in church, which is basically um, a really hard thing to do, especially in the time that I was growing up in the 90s with a lot of the purity culture and a lot of the legalism that we saw in the 90s growing up in religious households. And I decided I didn't want to be in ministry after growing up in it. We had seen some things right before I graduated from high school. And so I ended up going to a public university and majoring in science, just trying to not be in ministry. And I always say you can run, but you can't hide. And I ended up getting involved with a campus ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ, where I discovered I loved leading worship. And that was my gateway back into ministry, which I have been doing for the last 20 years, has been adult ministry in worship and women's ministry. And uh, yeah, we live in Kentucky now, and I'm a pastor's kid turned pastor, also trying to not necessarily deconstruct, but detangle from a lot of religion that had been put on me, not by God, but people. There's a quote that was in the forward by Lisa Bevere that was so good. You talking about deconstruction. She said, there are so many things that need to be deconstructed, but if this deconstruction is done without a heart for reconstruction, then it is merely destruction. You share in this book really openly about your journey that you were very hurt by church. Can you take us back to that place? It was kind of right before you were getting ready to launch and your world kind of came tumbling down. Yeah. I mean, we know as teenagers, it's the most 
formative years of our lives. We're learning what we want to be when we grow up and we're surrounding ourselves with people who are supposed to speak life into us and champion us. And it was my senior year of high school. We lived in the church parsonage, which was the house on the property of the church. And those people had become my family. And I think that's part of the beauty of church is that we get to fall in love with God's people and they, they get to love us. But that also means the chance of getting hurt is really high. Mm -hmm. And so when I was a senior, one Sunday we showed up and we were told, this is your last Sunday, no explanation. We're standing in front of these people who are supposed to protect us and take care of us. And really what ended up happening is we were dismissed and it felt like an exile. It felt like I was, you know, David being run out by Saul and I wanted to kill everything and everyone around me because it felt like such a betrayal. We moved all the way down away from the church and we lived on this property with some people who let us live over their efficiency barn. And it was so humbling to wake up on a mattress in the middle of a floor and not even have a home and still believe that God's people loved me and that I was wanted and that I wasn't forsaken. And that was when I started to truly question my relationship with the church, not necessarily God, because he was my lifeline through that, but really where I said, God, if these are your people, no, thank you. I don't want to be part of that. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I wanted to be in ministry, but it felt like in that one Sunday, everything was taken from me and there was no one to help. And we were on our own. I watched my dad search for jobs for the first time in my life. So much of my identity was wrapped up in being a pastor's kid, but more than that, a church kid. And I felt orphaned for the first time. Now you talked about that God was your lifeline. How did you continue to hang on to him when you were so hurt by church? It's interesting how God truly is the hound of heaven, mm -hmm. how he pursues us even when we don't have the energy to pursue him. And even though these people had hurt me, I still knew enough about God to know I could hear him. If I, if I laid in bed, I, I could feel him in a, in a weird way. I could feel this peace that didn't make sense. I could I feel comfort that wasn't coming from people. And everyone that I knew had betrayed me, it felt like. So I only knew what I had known in my 18 years to maybe look up four or five Bible verses that brought me comfort as a child. Nostalgia is a tricky thing. It can either betray us or it could comfort us. And there was something about growing up in church that I knew, okay, I like that verse. That verse hasn't hurt me. You know, and so God was leaving these little breadcrumbs for me through other people, through listening to music, taking a walk, where he was still meeting with me, even though I was kind of running away. Mm. How did you then process through that hurt? Because I think a lot of people listening are hearing your story and saying, it's taking me back to some sometime, maybe in their recent past or in their deep past where they felt that same betrayal. They felt like they were kind of the one that was shoved out, pushed aside, overlooked, unseen. How did you process through that? Well, I first learned to let myself be mad that emotions are not bad. I was hurt. So I behaved like I was hurt. I was angry. I got angry. I journaled and journaled. I mean, to the point where I probably have 15 journals just from that season alone, where I was like lamenting true lament. And when I got to the public university, I let myself ask big questions. I sat with religious scholars and pastors and leaders and said, why? 
how, how come. The church doesn't know how to wrestle very often. We want to put a pretty bow on everything and kind of like children are to be seen and not heard. We don't want our congregants or leaders saying, why? Tell me how. And as the church, we need to turn to wonder more. I wonder why this person is telling me this. I wonder why they've come to this conclusion about God or the church rather than trying to defend our bad behavior. And I had people in my life who let me ask those big questions and didn't tell me they were silly or try to gaslight me. And they validated my pain before they tried to fix me. And I believe as the church, if we would just sit in the tension of not having the answer, but knowing God is real, that we can introduce people to a Jesus we've always wanted to know, but it's going to take listening and leaning in and not always trying to fix it or defend it. Mm. So one question that I got a lot this last week was, how do you trust people in church leadership when you've been hurt by people in church leadership? And, or just in a leadership position, they were some Christian leader. Um, and you were talking about, you know, people allowing you that space to ask those hard questions. How did you even trust someone enough to be able to reach out to another Christian and ask those hard questions? When I was little, whenever we would go to Disney World or the amusement parks, my parents would say, if you ever get lost, look for someone in uniform and tell them you're lost, and they'll help you find mommy and daddy. And even though certain leaders had hurt us, and I was a little bit leery of men over 60, there was still something in me that knew that if I was ever feeling spiritually lost, that there were some groups of people that I could look for, that I could at least say, hey, I'm lost, and see how they reacted to that. And when I got to college, there were a couple of women in their 30s who, when they met me, didn't try to make me all like Jesus right away. They just wanted to hear my story. I looked for the people who would listen, who would lean in with me, who would take me to coffee, who asked me about me. That was my person in uniform for me, was those women who I knew had kids and maybe even had that life that I would hope to have one day, who modeled Jesus before they told me about Jesus. And that's where I started. Hmm. So what was your journey like after, you know, you said you went to university and you're kind of asking these questions and processing through this. Was it a short, you know, year long thing? And then you were like, okay, I'm, I'm good with church again. Or what was it like? I didn't step back foot onto a church staff full time until I was 33. Mm. So for 10 years, I would lead worship, but I always had another job. I was a teacher. I was in sales. I was kind of like the Dora, the explorer of ministry. I could put on a scuba diving outfit or a ballerina costume. And I, I liked to be a little bit of everything. It kept me feeling safe that if this church were going to hurt me again, I had a safety net. I, I always had a safety net and having this secular job. And when I was 33, a church called and said, we would love for you to come be our worship pastor. And that was the first time I considered going back into full-time ministry after being a pastor's kid and putting my heart back out there. And it was at that church that was very um, accepting of everybody who came in, who taught me how to not church, you know, speak the church language, Christianese, but really challenged me to love people as they were coming in. That taught me that I did love the people of God. Mm -hmm. 
that it wasn't just my parents' religion. It wasn't just their job, but that I had a calling on my life too. It just took me a little longer to get there. And all of that wondering and wandering and wrestling over that time had actually been part of God's plan to plant me where he wanted me. And it didn't look like any of my friends' paths. It didn't look like anybody thought it was going to look, including myself. But it was how long it took me to really want to go back into that space healthy, healed, and ready to help others heal. Mm. So what was it like for you? Terrifying. Mm. How did you press through that fear? I remember the first time that I let my heart break for someone without having my guard up. I was doing worship auditions for the church and I wanted everyone to make it because I couldn't bear to see people upset. And a girl got up there who had such a sweet spirit and such a beautiful heart, but it was not her gifting. She was not a good uh, singer. She was really struggling. And I knew I couldn't take her because it wouldn't have been fair or right for her even. And when we had to give the results to everyone, I called her into my office and I shared the news. We're not going to be able to bring you on. And she started weeping in my office, just this identity and this hope inside of her. And I broke with her. And I sat and I cried with another sister in Christ over something that was breaking her heart. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that our heart should break for what breaks God's heart. And I thought, oh my goodness, maybe I don't have a heart of stone after all. Maybe... Mm -hmm. Maybe it is okay to feel with people and to weep with people and to mourn with people. And knowing that I hurt her by not giving her the opportunity she wanted. And then we became friends through that. And it showed me just how sweet it was to be in community with the people of God, even in hard things. Mm -hmm. And that God loves it when we wrestle with Him. And therefore, when we wrestle with each other, it brings us into that space with this God, people are desperate to know, and He is a God of comfort and love and hope. And that's what we get to be as conduits mm. um, of His carriers of the gospel. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies, and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it, and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis. So I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief, 
I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I've mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. 
Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. So as you have processed and then you're now sharing about church hurt and disappointment, I know that there are a lot of people who, you know, they can resonate so much with what you're talking about, just that like fear of kind of stepping back into church and wondering, how do we find a church where we're not going to get hurt? Like, I think that's the thing. People don't want to get hurt in church. What would you say to that person who's saying, I think I want to try to step back in, but I'm so scared of getting hurt. It's a legitimate fear, especially with social media right now. Even if we haven't directly been hurt by the church, we have seen someone who has, or we've watched something where someone has. So we almost walk into church now with secondary church hurt. It's like secondary smoke. Like I don't have to smoke the cigarette to smell the smoke. I just know I smell like it. When we go into churches now, we kind of carry that with us. Like, well, that happened to them. Is it going to happen to me? And it's legitimate. I mean, it's something that is in front of us now. And I would say that if we love anything, there is a likelihood of getting hurt from church to our kids, to our jobs. If we choose to love someone or something, there is a very good chance we're going to get hurt. But I would rather get to heaven and meet a bunch of people up there who... I have loved and who have loved me over the years, albeit we've hurt each other too, than to get up there and realize that I didn't take enough risks. Because the people of God and we, you and I, we are worth the risk to love. And we live in America where we can go to any church down the street and we can church hop as often as we want. And I would say this, for every Judas or Saul that has sat at your table, there are more Jesuses and Pauls waiting for us. And so it might not be the church five minutes down the road. It may not be the church that everybody else is going to. You may find a church that nobody knows about, that nobody talks about, and you will be so loved and wanted and accepted, and it will be worth the five-year journey to get there. But never stop pursuing God, number one, and never stop pursuing the family of God because you will find a home at some point. I feel like there's also an important piece of this conversation. I know that not only can we be hurt by the church, but we can be the ones that can instigate some of that hurt, whether knowingly or unknowingly. How do we be people who are loving and not hurting? While at the same time, I feel like sometimes hurt comes because there's differences of opinion and there's disagreements. And so how do we love well and sometimes we need to speak the truth. How do we do that in a way that we don't just hurt and cause trauma to other people? I mean, it's true. When we are bleeding, we kind of bleed over everybody that comes around us. And I love the scripture that says that we are to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. We know that there are abusers in the church. We already know this. 
And we also know that at any given time, we can be unhealthy and we too can unintentionally, as you said, hurt people or abuse people by our own pain. And so I think going in wise as serpents and gentle as doves, it gives us that discernment. We have the gift of discernment for a reason to look around us and think, oh, my spirit feels off around this person, but yet I feel really safe around this person and to use wisdom and who we're surrounding ourselves with. And then also looking internally and having enough self-awareness and emotional IQ to say, oh, I also have this broken part in me. And when that person said that to me, I felt myself close off. I felt myself uh, not want to be around them. And to just have enough emotional IQ and enough um, whereabouts of our own hearts to say, just like they hurt me, I am just as capable of hurting someone else. And God, give me that wisdom to know if it's me or if it's them. And I think that's an everyday prayer. Mm. You say in your book, offense is a choice. That's, that's powerful because I think we live in a culture that is very easily offended. I mean, social media, it's just, you know, people getting offended all the time. It's interesting, just even with shiny, happy people, I heard from a lot of people who weren't in IBLP, ATI, but who are homeschoolers or who are Christians who were very offended by the way that they felt like Christianity and homeschoolers were portrayed in that. And I, you know, was dialoguing with a few of the people and I said, what could we expect from a secular film company, I'm not going to expect them to hold up Christianity in this really amazing light. Um, And I think as Christians, we get to choose how we're going to respond. And if we're just constantly being offended, I think that is, what example is that setting for the world of Jesus? But I'd love for you to talk more about this because I think there's a lot of people who are going to be like, but hold up. No, no, you don't understand what they did to me. Well, first of all, I would say you're right. I mean, we all come with our own experiences and I would never devalue someone's story and say, well, that wasn't hurt or offense or hurt or abuse. That was offense, you know, but the thing about offense is one of my favorite authors says that it's the bait of Satan. Mm-hmm. And I want to speak to Christians specifically right now that I think we have a hard time bearing one another's burdens, but man, we know how to pick up an offense really quickly. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want to bear a burden because that means that we have to carry the responsibility with someone. But when we pick up an offense, that's that high justice in us that wants to fight and wants to go after something that maybe God hasn't even told us to pick up. The difference between hurt and abuse and offense is that hurt and abuse happens to us, but offense we pick up. Mm-hmm. We see it and we say, that's something that I'm choosing to carry. And offense is a sin. It's a sin by the one who asked us to pick it up, and it's the sin by the one who picked it up. And it will slow us down in our race. Mm. It will keep us from locking our eyes on Jesus and, and really focusing on what matters. The thing I'm often asked is, well, what matters? Well, we know God gave us two commands, to love God and love people, and He gave us a commission to go and make disciples. Anything that slows us down from doing those two commands and that one commission is something that we should not be carrying. And so I would say, if I'm going to be weighed down by anything, let it be the burdens of my brothers that God makes light than the offenses that the enemy wants me to carry so that I don't run my race. Mm-hmm. So what do we do then if, if someone does something that feels very hurtful or, you know, we are in a truly abusive situation, how do we respond if 
offense isn't the right answer. If we're in abusive situations, if we can, we have to get out. If someone came to me and said, my spouse is abusing me, I wouldn't say, well, go back and see if it's better tomorrow. I'm going to say, who do we need to call? Where do we need to get you? How do we get you help? And in the church, especially, we need to do that. When somebody comes to us and says, I'm being abused, we don't ask more questions other than how do I get you out of where you are and what can I do to help? When someone says they've been hurt, we say, Lynn, let's, let's get you some help. Let's look at counseling. Let's look at medication. Let's, let's talk about what meetings we need to have. Matthew 18 in the Bible gives us a really good framework of how we can have hard and holy conversations in godly settings. And a lot of times those steps get skipped because we're afraid. And if we're in a, under an abuser, of course, we would be afraid. And so offense is going to be a different reaction. We have to look at our own hearts and say, was that really abuse or hurt? Or was I just heavily offended by what this person did to me? And can it be worked out through a conversation with a third party? Do I need to write a letter? Do I need to take them to coffee? And asking the Lord to give us strategy. Now, here's when I say asking the Lord. He's not going to give us this physical voice that's going to come down. But perhaps He'll give us an idea. He'll give us a line to say. He'll, we'll be journaling and we'll find ourselves writing out what we're supposed to do. God is such a perfect gentleman and that he doesn't force himself on us, but he will guide us if we're asking him for that. And so I've learned with offense that there's no time limit. I could take a year to five years to be able to forgive someone. It could take me a day. It just depends on the situation. But all I know is that when I release that person from the prison of my heart, I'm lighter. So the goal is to release those people from the prison of my heart, not for their benefit, but for mine, so that I can keep doing the thing God has called me to do. We probably have a lot of people who are listening who are in church leadership, and I have such a heart for people in church leadership. I, I feel like especially COVID, like ever since then, it's just been hard. Like I feel like people are struggling, and so you're trying to lead when people are struggling, and then I feel like people are kind of maybe short-tempered or a little bit on edge, and so then little things become big things. I'd love for you to just speak to those who are in church leadership, just to encourage them and ways that they can walk through this season where it's just a lot right now. And um, what word of encouragement would you have to them? Well, every leader needs a leader. So if you are leading in the church and you don't have a mentor or you don't have someone discipling you, you need to have that in your life so that you're not alone. So that as these things are coming, you're not trying to swim up a creek without any help at all. We need those armor bearers with us. We need people speaking into us, not just encouragement, but accountability. So if you're a leader and you're not being led, leaders know how to be led. So that's number one. Number two, I'd say you're not alone. The greatest lie of the enemy is that we are all trying to do this on our own. And that is just simply not true. We have a cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. And we also have this incredible, amazing kingdom of God of people that may not be necessarily in front of us all the time, but that we can gain um, access to by going to conferences and being part of other church communities and not just holding up in our offices thinking that we're going to die on a hill, but bringing in an army around us to help us do this job. And, and finally, I would say that there are more people for you than who are against you. 
And so where leadership can feel very lonely in that we're constantly getting hit with emails and people who are unhappy, there are actually more people praying for you than you know. Mm -hmm. And to not grow weary in doing good because God has equipped you to do the thing he's called you to do, and you are not alone in doing it. And as we close, I would just love for you to speak to the person who is listening, who has just been really hurt, really wounded. They just feel maybe just done wanting to walk away, like how you have felt in some seasons of your life. What encouragement would you have for them? What hope would you have to give to them? I think it's always important to hear the words, I believe you. When you have been a victim of abuse, hurt, trauma, hearing someone who doesn't even know you, but just knows that you're carrying wounds, just to hear, I believe you, is a, is a huge statement in a world right now that wants to protect abusers and keep things under the rug. And so first I would say, whatever has happened to you, I believe, I believe you that it's happened. And I also want to tell you that that abuser or that one who has hurt you is one person and does not represent the heart of God. God is a good father. He does not abuse his children. He does not hurt his kids. I would also say that the church is God's idea. He made it. We are the bride of Christ, and he loves us, and therefore he will protect us, and there are good places for you to go who will hear your story, who won't try to push it under the rug, and who will welcome you with open arms and also want to use the very unique giftings that God has placed inside of you, and they are inside of you. I know they might be squelched. I know they might feel like they have died. But when God puts something in us, it cannot be stopped. And so don't let a few bad people keep you from the good ones that God has for you. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you for sharing. I just am hopeful that so many who have been hurt, who are disappointed with the church, um, who want to walk away, that your book, I feel like it's just going to be this breath of fresh air. I know that there, I picked it up and within the first few pages, I was so deeply moved. And as you were sharing parts of your story, there were parts where I just felt this emotion rising up in me because I could connect so much with it. And it was just what I needed to hear. And so I just am so grateful for your willingness to shepherd and steward what God has given you, this gift that some days it's probably really hard. You would want to just walk away, but you've stayed. You've continued to stay, and God is blessing your faithfulness. And I'm just so grateful for you and the work that you are doing. Um, And I would just encourage anyone who's listening who needs that encouragement right now, you are maybe just feeling jaded, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling disappointed, you're feeling hurt, and you need to know that you're not alone and you want to know that God is good. Get a copy of Raised to Stay, Persevering in Ministry when you have a million reasons to walk away. Even if you're not in church ministry, even if you have no desire to be in church ministry, I think we all as Christians are called to minister as God opens up those doors and it's going to look different for every person but so don't just feel like this is a book for people who maybe were pastor's kids or who are wanting to be in ministry this is for all of us no matter where we are raised to stay persevering in ministry when you have a million reasons to walk away by natalie runyon thank you for joining us today 
For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 